On this episode of Main Street Magic, I am joined by a special guest as we discuss what makes the Disney brand so dominant. This is episode 72 of the Main Street Magic podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Main Street Magic. I am your host, Jeremy Stein, and today I'm joined by my brother, Alan Stein Jr., who is a performance coach, consultant, speaker, and author. He spent 15 years working with the highest performing basketball players on the planet, and he knows business and branding. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I love this. So make sure you check us out on the web at MainSTMagic.com and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MainSTMagic. And make sure you go out and check out the Capture the Magic podcast over at ctmpodcast.com and subscribe on iTunes and Google Play to Capture the Magic. Now, they release new shows every Monday and Thursday, and then Jared and I release a new episode of The Diz Dudes every Wednesday on that exact same feed. We've also created a new Facebook group called Capture the Magic Community, so make sure you go out there and ask to join. So uh, I wanted to have Alan on the show today for uh, two main reasons, um, one being that we spent spring break uh, down in Disney World uh, just back at the end of March uh, with with me and my family, um, our parents, and then uh, Alan and, and his three kids. And uh, Alan, who is a very uh, business-minded person, who's an entrepreneur, um, who has been building businesses for a long time, uh, he now helps basically build other businesses. Um, and I wanted to talk to somebody who is not really a Disney person, uh, much like I am, and talk more about kind of the branding uh, and the things that Disney does that continues to make them so dominant. Um, so, Alan, I know you you enjoy, I mean, you enjoy Disney enough to come every couple of years with the family, but is it something that you see more on, this is something you're going, obviously, for your kids, um, but while they're, do you get a business sense? Is there something that you really pull out of it based than just the entertainment and the attraction and, and watching your kids enjoy it and have fun? Oh, for sure. I mean, you, you teed it up perfectly. The main enjoyment that I receive is seeing how excited my kids are by the whole Disney experience. So that's definitely what brought me from right outside of Washington, D.C. down to uh, Orlando. Uh, but while I'm there, I mean, with my eyes and my ears open, it'd be impossible not to be blown away by just how impressive the Disney machine is. And and yes, I, I tend to view most of my experiences um, through a different lens. And one of those lenses is through branding and through building of a business. And, you know, it, it's so neat to me because, you know, this is the second time that I've come with my children. Uh, we went a few years ago and then I believe maybe the third or fourth time that I've been myself. I know, you know, you and I went as younger kids, as teenagers. I went back one time in college, there was a basketball tournament there. Um, so to me, what I'm so blown away by is not only Disney's longevity, but just their overall consistency and commitment to excellence. You know, I mean, we're talking over decades. Yeah. And they've not only survived as a as a viable business in the entertainment space over those decades. I mean, they've thrived, they've grown, and they've basically dominated that niche. And it's it's really fascinating uh, to see. 
Yeah, well, we, we're going to break this down really into kind of three sections. Uh, and one is going to be based on uh, the guest experience that they offer. Uh, another one's going to be on the culture. And then the third one will be uh, kind of on the technology and a lot of the systems and processes that they have in place. Now, for, for what you do in um, you know, your basically day-to-day job and working with companies and organizations is you're someone who truly helps organizations learn to build on those guest experiences uh, and creating an unparalleled culture. So let's start first with the guest experience. Um, what are some of the things, I guess, that you notice and truly stand out that you see at Disney that not only are they doing better than anyone else, but that you think almost any business out there could learn from and apply to their own company or organization? You just hit on a really important point there, and that's it's so important for people to look outside of their direct industry uh, in order to truly grow. You know, as soon as I knew that I wanted to be a a professional speaker, uh, two of the places I started to look were uh, music and stand up comedy, Mm -hmm. Uh, two other forms of being an orator that uh, are expressive, that that you know, use many of the same um, tangible qualities that a professional speaker would need, you know, as far as uh, your rhythm and your cadence and your pitch and your timing and your your blocking and staging and your body position and your facial expressions. So I didn't want to limit myself to just studying other professional speakers. And I certainly do study them, but I wanted to make sure that I reached outside of that. And that's why I'm, I'm excited to be on your show here is that we can talk um, about some traits that I think would improve any business, but not even just business. I mean, this this is stuff that can actually be applied to your own family. Yeah. I mean, I, I often believe that, you know, as I talk a lot about becoming a better leader for your business, well, that's the first step to becoming a better spouse or to becoming a better parent uh, is to work on your ability to lead because leadership is nothing more than, than your ability to positively influence other people which as, you know, as parents, we should all be doing with our kids. So, you know, improving the quote unquote, and I know it sounds funny, the guest experience in your family or creating an unparalleled culture in your family, uh, you know, is, is really important to do. But yeah, it is. I mean, it's no short of astounding what Disney does. And, and for me immediately, and I know you may be a little numb to it because of the frequency at which you go, you know, but it's been years since I've been there. And there really is almost something without sounding overdramatic, magical about the moment you step into the park or on any Disney property. It's almost like you're walking through this invisible door. Uh, It's a different world. And, and, And it's hard to even put that into words without sounding like a crazy person. But that's really a combination of everything that they do, that the moment you walk into one of their properties or or into their park it's like the rest of the world doesn't even exist. Yeah, no, completely. And I, I think it is something for, you know, for us and our family going so often, it is something we sometimes can become numb to, but we truly try not to. And, uh, there's two things I always uh, talk about on our show for us. And one is our Disney first. And, you know, we're going on, I mean, we've been 30 times in the past two years and each time, um, we try to create a Disney first And it may be something as simple as actually a show that we've never done because there's so much to do there. You can't do it all, sometimes even in a lifetime. Or it might be something simple like the first time Kaylin and I rode together on Rock and Roller Coaster in the first row. Um, And one of the other things we always make sure we do, and this is what we can talk more and get into some of this guest experience, um, which is going to lead us into culture, is that we, we call all cast members by name. I don't care if it is the person who's checking us in, if it's our waiter or waitress at a meal, 
or it's just, you know, the guy who potentially is wiping down trash cans every morning uh, to make sure that the property is as clean as possible. We do. We call cast members by name anytime we can, um, because I think there's a reason that they're wearing name tags. You know, it's it's so that uh, they can basically become a part of your experience as opposed to, you know, they know each other's names. It's not for each other. Um, so that's something that we always try and do. And from a guest experience, that's what the cast members are there for. I mean, they're, they're making sure, I mean, shoot the, the manager that we met at Coronado Springs when we went, his title is guest experience manager, you know, and this is somebody that's specifically put into place to make sure that everyone who visits is having the best experience. Um, now along with the, the cast members and some of the things that they're empowered to do, uh, which I know our family has seen lots of times. Um, you know, if a cast member watches your kid lose a balloon or drop their ice cream on the ground, they're empowered to get that child a new one at no cost. You know, um, I've certainly heard stories of a kid that maybe loses a stuffed animal in the park and is distraught and upset. And a cast member will take them into a store and give them any stuffed animal of their choice. And again, they're empowered to do those things. But let's talk about guest experience with some of the things that Disney's doing, um, maybe on a technological side, uh, and as well as I guess the individual experiences that they're offering throughout the park. Um, and I know for for technology, uh, funny enough, I mean I'm kind of your technology guy. You and I work together. Uh, it's part of one of the things that that I do um, is working with you, and I handle a lot of the technological side. But what do you see as an outsider on the technology side that, again, you think other businesses could either learn from or you just see Disney doing better than anyone else? Well, technology is absolutely one of those major things. But to take one step back and obviously, I mean, I'm very far out of the Disney loop. I've never sat in on any of their corporate meetings or met with any of their executives. Uh, maybe one day if I get really good at my craft. But the, the part that I'm blown away by is as an outsider, it doesn't appear to me that they make any decision based on profit or any decision based on selling. It seems to me that they make every single decision, no matter how small or how big, based on improving the guest experience because they're smart enough to know that if you create an unparalleled experience, the profit will come, right? The sales will go up. You don't, you don't need to try and sell stuff to people. Uh, you just need to make sure that, that you're doing everything in your power to make them have an incredible experience. And those two things will take care of themselves. And, and I've always believed from a selling standpoint that's your best bet. You know, you're not there to try to push features and benefits and we have this show and we have that. You're there to make people have an incredible time, to, to entertain them, to engage them, to empower your people. And when you do all of that at a high level, then, then sales just take care of themselves. And I think any business uh, can, can learn from that. Um, but yeah, with, with technology as being one of their major separators, uh, you know, it's... It just blows my mind. And the reason I love it is you and I can joke. I, I'm not particularly technically savvy. I mean, the, the extent of my computer knowledge is to just reboot it anytime I'm having a problem, <laughs> uh, which is why I call you. But they make their, their, you know, from a technological standpoint, their stuff is so user-friendly that even I can use it. Yeah. I know most people <laughs> would replace that with a child, like even a five-year-old can do it. But the way that they've lined everything up from the Magic Bands to the My Disney Experience it's incredibly user-friendly for me. And I know for a fact 
that that is not an accident. That is something that there was careful design that they said, hey, we want minimal friction between people that come to our parks and use our resorts and people that aren't, quote unquote, very technically savvy. So we want to make sure this is something they can use, um, you know, uh, easily. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. I I'd want to see your opinion then. And I know you and I talked briefly because I do think you're right that they're building everything on guest experience. And when you do that, that the profit will come. But in the Disney community, which obviously you're you're not really privy to because you're, you're just not into those types of things the way I am and, and kind of live and breathe Disney, uh, people are starting to fear that there are a lot of money grabs going on with Disney. Um, and I'd be interested some on your take. Do you think some of these are just part of a broader plan that is, again, going to provide better experiences? For example, for the first time ever, um, you know, they're going to start charging for parking at resorts, which has always been a free service. But is that, is, is that a money grab or is that all part of a bigger plan? Because they are expanding and building more over the next five years than they have in the past 45 at Disney world. Do you think that's more of where it's coming from where maybe that is a bit of a quick profit, but it's all to be for the greater good of the guest experience. Yes. Again, I'm completely on the outside. So all I can go on is my gut instinct. And I don't think anything they're doing is a quick money grab. Yeah. Uh, They could have easily started charging for parking years ago. Right. And they can also charge as much as they want for parking and mathematically figure out the percentage of attrition they'll have. I mean, if they're going to charge you $30 for parking, um, they could easily charge 50 and still probably get the same number of people to park. Uh, I think they figured out in order for us to truly continue to grow and to innovate and to make this an unparalleled experience, here are some things that we need to invest in. And in order to invest in that, we do need some additional capital. And here's one way that we can get it. So uh, in theory, if we pass a little bit of this on to our users, our loyal our loyal guests and say, Hey, it's going to be a little bit more for you to park, but don't worry. We are going to reinvest your parking money into something absolutely mind blowing over the next few years. Yeah. That, that's my gut feeling on, on the way that they're using it. Now, obviously they're a for-profit business. They have shareholders. They have, I mean, yeah. I understand that, but it doesn't seem to me that those are what's driving the decisions. It seems to me that if they say, we need to charge $30 for parking. It's because they believe that that's what's needed to create the type of growth and innovation for them to keep doing what they've been doing. And that's uh, easy for me to say as an outsider looking in and as someone who doesn't have to actually park there. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my absolute intuition. Yeah. I like, I like that. And that's something I've kind of thought. And I think in any business, you know, if uh, you know, I mean, the old example is if this business is selling some sort of widget, and they've got a new one that they want to get out to, you know, their users uh, and their customers. And they're selling a million widgets a year and they have to raise the price by a dollar. And again, even if 20 percent of their customers leave, they've still made just say a profit of eight hundred thousand dollars to bring you whatever the next great thing is. So I, I like getting that take from an outsider. And I I kind of think you're dead on with that one. Um Let's talk about variety and what makes Disney so special for people of all ages, because a lot I I hear from a lot of people because I mean, people know I'm a Disney nut. Um, They know that we go all the time. So uh, I'll have friends that will contact me and say, you know, look, I'm my family wants to go to Disney. Uh, You can tell a lot of times in their voice they don't particularly want to go. Um, People see it a lot of times as a kid place and or a family only place uh, or they see it as nothing but a bunch of princesses, you know, in, in Disney 
a Disney-fied area. What draws you to it from a level other than just enjoying, and the business side, of course, but other than just your kids enjoying it, what do you see there that they're doing to make sure that people of all ages enjoy it? Well, I think there are two different types of people. And and to be quite honest, I'm in the smaller subset of I would not go to Disney if I didn't have children. Yeah. As I mentioned, the primary joy for me is seeing the excitement and enjoyment on my kids' faces. And to me, that's priceless. I mean, I would walk to Orlando from D.C. Uh, in order to see that with my kids. So that's really special. But I also realize that that's just me. I mean, uh, we were there over spring break, so obviously it was a... It was a busy time uh, for Disney, not that there's ever a slow time for them, um, but there were, I mean, countless people that I could tell were adults that didn't have any children and were there for their own experience, whether it was newlyweds on their honeymoon or whether it was people for an anniversary or people that just wanted to go and enjoy. And, and that's what to me is so remarkable that they've created an experience that can thoroughly entertain my eight-year-old twin boys and almost six-year-old daughter and while at the same time create an experience that two 20-somethings that just got married want to spend their honeymoon there, or two 60-somethings that are celebrating their 30-year anniversary want to go there, there's not many businesses, especially from a service-based standpoint, that can create an experience that runs the full gamut that gets that many people you know, an opportunity to do something that's, that's really memorable and really awesome. And then when you look at the family component, as you already described, I mean, you know, we both have younger children. They're not super young anymore, but younger children. So that's one age demographic. And then there's you and I who are in the, you know, 30s and 40s demographic. And then our parents are there who are yeah. in the 70s demographic. And all of us had a remarkable time and enjoyed parts of the experience aside from just watching the kids enjoy it. That's just absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And I agree completely with that as well. Um, it's kind of like on, uh, if you look on a pack of Legos, it, it always says for ages zero to 99. Um, yes. And I think that's very much what Disney has created. And, and that's what, and again, I don't ever see you just taking a flight to Orlando and going to Disney, you and I or something, but I'd be very interested to get you there one time uh, during specifically one of the festivals that they have going on at Epcot, because I know um, that, that you enjoy food and you enjoy quality food and you have eaten all over the world. Um, and you're, there's an option to do that and an opportunity to do that at some of these festivals at Epcot. Um, and, you know, I mean, for someone like me who, who really loves live music during all these festivals, they have incredible concert series and they're bringing in bands that, um, I mean, you may not have grown up with as much as I did because you listen to a, a slightly different genre of music, but they're bringing in bands from the 90s that I, I grew up listening to. And um, it's, it's just cool to see them create an atmosphere that I do think is for uh, everyone. Um, yeah. And OK, so let's let's talk culture, because I think this is probably the part that maybe interests you most, because this is something that you are so focused on and that you help businesses with is to help build their culture. Um, I have, I, I worked, you know, basically desk jobs for 20 years. I worked in organizations and businesses, uh, and a lot of them never had a true culture and you saw consistent turnover. Um, you saw people that came and they worked their 40 hours a week to collect a paycheck. Um, you can genuinely tell talking to lots of cast members that they enjoy being at Disney and they enjoy working at Disney. Uh, and some of them are taking lower wages or they're doing these college programs and they're not making, you know, a huge living but they're still working at Disney or they've retired from their regular job and that's where they're going. 
for a place like Disney, what did you notice most about culture? And again, what are the types of things that you think any business organization or even people, like you said before, with your, their families can take away from the culture that Disney's building and has built? Well, there's a lot of parallel to what we talked about before from the guest experience where I don't feel like Disney is intentionally trying to sell me anything. I think they're trying to create something special that attracts my family and I to come there. Well, I get the same feeling from a culture standpoint. They don't seem to be forcing anyone to work there to be a cast member. They seem to have created something so magical and so special that those people attract them. Uh, it's a big difference between chasing and attracting. And it takes a special person to work at Disney. I mean, it takes someone that is a true servant leader, someone that is going to bend over backwards uh, to do whatever they can to serve the guest and to make sure that guest experience goes really, really well. That takes a very special person. And I'm not saying that, that Disney doesn't do any type of recruiting. I'm sure that they do, but I think they've found a, a way to attract those type of people. But the best part is once they've attracted the right people, they empower them. They, they first of all, they want their, their people to feel pride in their job. Uh, they don't strike me as a group that's always looking at the org chart saying, hey, these people at the top are really important and you people at the bottom aren't. Uh, I'm under the impression that every person there, uh, and as you said so brilliantly, is wearing a name tag. And the name tag usually also says where they're from, at least their home city. It just shows how much they care about their cast members and they want to empower them to make decisions, not confine them and put them in a box. Um, so I think that creates tremendous pride and they they I'm imagining also show tremendous appreciation. You might be the person that's supposed to walk around with the scooper scooping up cigarette buds and yet you know that you're still important because your role of keeping that park clean plays a major role in the guest experience. So we need people that can clean up and do the trash just as much as we need someone to put on the Mickey costume, just as much as we need someone, you know, uh, to, to play in the shows or to operate one of the rides. Every single person is important because if you take any one of those groups out, the overall Disney experience starts to go down. And, and I'm assuming that in order to get someone to walk around in the hot sun in Orlando and do a job that most people would consider a rather trivial job. They have to be doing something really incredible on their end to make those people feel appreciated. Uh, Cause as you said, they're probably underpaid. And to me, that is, that is cool. And that they've created a way that, Hey, this is who we are. This is what we're about. If you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, that really has a lasting impact on the people that come through here, then this is the place to work. And, and that is as really Really awesome to see. And I would imagine, too, that if for any reason someone slips through the screen and isn't that type of person or doesn't represent Disney or be a cast member to their fullest, I imagine they're asked to leave pretty quickly. Yeah. And I, I think with all that, you know, I mean, here we're they're cast members. You know, they're not employees in, in Disney's eyes. They're um, they're guest experience managers. Uh, the people creating the rides and the attractions are Imagineers. And everything at Disney is done either on stage or off stage. Um, so anything that a guest can see is considered on stage. And these people are supposed to act their role. Disney's basically, and that's why they're cast members. They're saying, look, you are a part of a show. And mm -hmm. like you said, whether it's the person, yeah, I mean, it might be the person walking behind the horse in the parade who doesn't have the best job. Um, 
all the way up to, yeah, the actual Imagineers who are creating the rides, they are a part of this cast and they're a part of this show. Um, and I do think that that is extremely important. Uh, and then with this culture that they're building, not only with the people, um, talk about some of what you see in the branding, you know, because I, I would have to say, I mean, I, I'm sure I could look up a report real quick. I mean, Mickey Mouse's silhouetted head has to be one of the most recognized brands in the entire world, along with like a Nike swoosh and, and things like that. What do you see from a branding side that makes them stand, I guess, above and beyond most other organizations? Well, you nailed that without question. And their branding is everywhere. Yeah. I mean, everywhere, not just in the obvious places, but I mean, it's in the wallpaper. It's in the carpet design. It's in you can see Mickey ears when you're using the restroom. Uh, you can see it. It's on every cart and kiosk. It's at every restaurant. I mean, it is everywhere. And I think that's, again, just to you know, provide that mental trigger that you're somewhere special right now. You're somewhere different. You are in a magical world, literally and figuratively. And we're going to remind you with the branding everywhere we go. And, you know, they also hold themselves to an incredibly high standard. I mean, as, as we mentioned, that place was immaculate. Yeah. There wasn't a blade of grass out of place. If anything spilled, if a kid drops his ice cream, first and foremost, they get the kid a new ice cream, as you said. And there's someone there 20 seconds later, not just with a broom, but with a hose and probably down on their hands and knees scrubbing it uh, to get everything off because uh, they don't want to attract bees because that would lessen the guest experience. <laughs> it, it is it is pretty special. And, you know, uh, it goes back to that creating those roles. You know, you've got the branding, which is something that they do in everything. I mean, every movie, every game, um, everything has that Disney logo and insignia on it so that you know you're part of excellence. And, and then to pour that back into their people and say, look, if you're wearing something with the Disney logo or with Mickey Mouse ears on it, you need to take pride in that because yeah. this is something really, really special. This is something bigger than you that's bigger than us. And if you are going to wear, it sounds funny saying, I mean, if you are going to wear those Mickey Mouse ears, you are going to wear them uh, in the best light possible. You're going to put your best foot forward and you're going to be the best that you're capable of. Or we're taking those ears off you and sending you back to wherever your name tag said. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's perfectly put. And I don't I don't know if I've ever told you this um, when some of my just Disney nerdism comes out. But when they originally built Disneyland, um, I mean, Walt Disney himself was in the park greeting guests and they originally down Main Street didn't have any trash cans and they gave a piece of candy to every guest that entered. And then they watched how long it took for people to walk until they started looking for a trash can with that candy wrapper. And that's what they based on how many trash cans are everywhere throughout property. And it comes down roughly to, I want to say it was about 30 yards. Um, so for the mm. most part, no matter where you are in a Disney park and most of their resorts and, and Disney Springs and all, there's a trash can at least every 30 yards. Um, so those details and stuff are just, yeah, I mean, they're just fascinating. And I think you're right. The cleanliness uh, is unparalleled to anything else, which is all part of that culture, um, along with that branding and everything. Um, so let, well, I'm sure, I'm sure they've done the same thing measuring with bathrooms, oh, of with course. water fountains, yeah. with food. Um, <clears throat> the, the really underlying theme to all of this is with the guest experience and with the unparalleled culture, none of this is haphazard. None of this is accident. Yes. I'm sure they've done some trial and error, but they clearly measure 
everything that they do and they do more of what works and they do less of what doesn't. And, you know, you've, you've shared so many insights on, you know, the ways that um, they can manipulate what lines are longer or shorter, or if this ride is really busy, how they can organically without lessening the customer experience, send people to a different direction so that they can experience shorter lines. I mean, it is their ability to measure and adapt uh, is I know I keep saying the word over and over remarkable and I don't say that to devalue the word because you know me yeah. I don't think many things are remarkable uh, <laughs> but but almost everything Disney does is and it is it's really a sight to see yeah well in one more nerd detail and then we'll move on to the next topic but like in the Magic Kingdom in um, uh, the section of Liberty Square um, there are no bathrooms there's, there's one bathroom and it's inside of the one quick service restaurant columbia harbor house there are no other public restrooms there because of the fact that during the time that that section takes place in back in the 1800s there wasn't indoor plumbing therefore mm. if they all of a sudden put a public restroom they're not truly living up to the the detail of the time period that they're basing that section on um <laughs> and, and that comes down to every little detail i mean you know their imagineers travel the world before they build a ride or land uh to find out all the little nuances and details to make sure that they truly are representing wherever that is um so let's talk about their systems and processes uh because i think this is you know you said earlier and I've, i say this all the time i mean disney is about as well oiled of a machine that I think any business can, and, and you touched on it there some with even saying that they'll, you know, they'll manipulate wait times and, and what they look like because if there's too many people over near Space Mountain um, and there's not enough technically people over in Adventureland, they're going to probably jack up the wait time, even though it's not accurate on Space Mountain, to hopefully drive people over to Adventureland. And that's done to help that guest experience, as you said, because now you don't look like an overcrowded section near Space Mountain, you're going to Adventureland where it's potentially less crowded, and they'll continue to do those things. Um, but the system and processes, I guess, that they use to continue on that guest experience, and then again, uh, we'll talk about a little bit why <laughs> Why does that make it so easy to continue to go back or to continue to do you know business with Disney? What did you notice from that aspect um, during your time that you were there? I mean, the main thing is, I mean, they are a business. We've already established that, even though they might not appear to make decisions based on profit. I mean, that's what they're here for. I mean, it's not a charity. It's not a soup kitchen. Yeah. They're there to make money. And they have found a way to eliminate basically all of the friction um, that would prevent someone from making it really easy to hand over their hard-earned money. Um, You know, I'm not going to say the name of the company because I don't want to throw them under the bus, but I was trying to purchase something the other day online and I mean, it is 2018 right now. Now we've already established I'm not very technically savvy, but I've made a couple of online purchases before. It shouldn't be that hard. And you should have seen how difficult it was. I'm trying to give these people my money <laughs> yeah. to order something and how many different like it was it was irritating. And the result, I didn't buy it. Because I, I was like, okay, I'll jump through maybe one hoop, sometimes two, but this is ridiculous yeah. now. And it wasn't, and, and that's the thing. I mean, we can joke about me being, you know, not particularly technically savvy, but I'm a fairly educated 42-year-old person. If it's too hard for me to figure out how to buy something online, that's not my problem. That's their problem. Yeah. And they will lose business because of that. And that's what I love about Disney. Um, they make it really easy for us to give them our money, which we do willingly because of all the reasons we've already stated. But 
just even the magic bands. I mean, this concept, and I think they were in their their infancy when we went several years ago when, yep. when I just had Luke and Jack and brought them. Um, but the, the fact that all you need is this one thing around your wrist and you can eat anywhere, you can go on any ride, you can even open your hotel door with it. I mean, you don't need to bring anything with you. Uh, ladies, you don't need to bring a purse. Men, you don't need to bring a wallet. All you need is this magic band is absolutely incredible. And it's kind of like the online space, you know. Um, Amazon already has my credit card information, so I can do the one-click buy anytime I want something. And, and in all honesty, half the time I'm buying something, I forget that I'm really buying it. I feel yeah. like I'm just clicking it and it magically shows up. So, you know, there's some science behind that. They found a way that, hey, if you don't have to physically take your wallet out and count out, you know, 20, 40, 60 to pay for something... <laughs> you're more likely to, to just wave your, your magic band and get it. And not only is that convenient for the user experience and the guest experience, but I'm sure their sales have increased remarkably. And they do a bunch of things like that. I mean, the, the refillable mugs for drinks. You know, I love that, and again, we know it's no accident, that anytime you exit any ride or show, you almost have to walk through the guest shop. Yeah. It's specific <laughs> to that theme. Like, there's no way out. Like, you're not leaving unless you walk through this, which we can joke when you have young kids, it's kind of a form of entrapment. Like, wait a second, you just showed us a show with Ariel, and now I'm going to walk my daughter by 52 different items that have Ariel's <laughs> face on it, and you don't think I'm going to buy them? Of course I'm going to. Absolutely brilliant on their end. And as you, you, know, you already said, they've got it measured out. Uh, I'm sure they have an exact distance of how often you need to have an ice cream food truck, uh, how often you need to have this, you need to that. It, it, it's, it, I need a new word because Remarkable's not doing it. It's absolutely amazing how easy they make it for us to give them their money and how willingly we're, we do it and we're happy to do it. They're not tricking us into anything. They're doing it because they run a sound business and they do things the right way. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. I think that is so well put. And yeah, I think remarkable really is the perfect word to describe a lot of these things, especially from that, you know, that business stance. Um, and of course, down to tying. Yeah. Pic I mean, technically, again, now they've got it where, um, you know, a phone is still somewhat necessary inside the park because you want to use my Disney experience. But, you know, they've even almost gotten rid of you needing to haul a camera around, you know, because they have these photo spots set up everywhere. And then those mm -hmm. pictures are automatically tied to your Disney experience and your magic band. Um, it, yeah, it really is insane the way that they're able to do these systems, uh, to do these processes. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of them, you know, a lot of things too, where they're making sure that experience is good based on the timing of a show, uh, where a show is located, the fact that it's indoors with air conditioning, um, you know, Florida gets really, really hot. So I think all of that is, is pretty, uh, I'll just say remarkable as well. Um, I, I do, I do want you to have an opportunity to talk a little bit about yourself and the things that you do with businesses for anybody we have listening that, you know, might be in a business that needs this type of thing, but is there anything else on the Disney side, um, that you want to touch on or that you see important? Um, I mean, is it, is there, is there something for you again? I know that the kids were what was most important, but is there something that stood out to you from that week that you truly enjoyed, you know, kind of on your own, um, as far as being a person who isn't traditionally a Disney person? Oh, for sure. I mean, once I was there, the, the shows that we saw were so, so well done. I mean, they're, they're not a far throw, a far throw from being like a Broadway type yeah. show. And the rides, I mean, were, were epic. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's awesome to see. Um, but no, 
I'm so fascinated by the business side of this because I just think being around Disney uh, will make me better at what I do, will allow me to serve other businesses to a higher degree and, and helps with my own family as far as being a father. I mean, you know, you can just translate the word guest experience to, you know, being being one of my kids. I want to do everything I can to make my kids experience in life as fulfilling and as enriching as possible. And I want to create a culture in our family. And, you know, for those who don't know, I'm amicably divorced, uh, been divorced for a couple of years and I get along really well with my ex, but we make great co-parents. Um, but that's kind of a, a disjointed family, or at least it could be. So the culture that we create, you know, um, for our children to be raised in is really important. And there's so many things that that can be learned from Disney. And, and for those listening that do run a business or have a fascination with business, you know, you can pull so many nuggets from what Disney does and apply it to your own business. You know, what you just mentioned about Walt Disney uh, I, I reminds me of, I, I heard a story about Arthur Blank, the, the gentleman that founded Home Depot. Mm -hmm. uh, and right in the beginning, decades ago, um, on Saturdays, he would stand outside in the parking lot and any person that left Home Depot that didn't purchase something he would go up and ask them why they didn't buy anything. <laughs> did, they, did they not have what you wanted? If they did, was it too expensive? Could you not find it? Was the line too long? Like, I want to know why you just left what I want to be the most comprehensive home improvement store and not purchase anything. And if they would give him feedback that was something that he had control over, he would jot that down and he would make notes and then they would go fix it. Uh, same thing with Disney. I mean, that uh, I had not heard that story before about, you know, not being enough trash cans and handing everyone a piece of candy. That's the brilliance behind Disney. But the cool part is you don't have to be a billion dollar uh, titan to be able to implement these these different types of practices. You just need to talk to your clients or your patients or your customers and find these things out and then start to make these improvements. Because if whatever you're doing is all about the user or all about the guest, then then sales and business will ultimately take care of itself. And, and I think that's the best lesson to, to pull from anyone. And, and I even use that myself. I mean, I don't, I don't try to sell speaking services to someone. Uh, I try to let people know what I do, where my expertise lies. And if that's a problem that they're having, let's see if we're a good fit for each other and see if there's something that I can do to help you. Because if I'm not a good fit or I'm not going to solve a problem for them or I'm not going to add value, then it, there's no point in me being there. No matter how much money they're going to pay me, uh, that's just a short-term, uh, very narrow view. And, and I only want to work with, with businesses and with people that I can actually help. And that's, that's what's most important. And, and ultimately that's what Disney does. That That's awesome. And, and I, I love that you've taken this from, cause this was going to be, you know, I really wanted to talk to you about Disney and the business side and them being dominant, but I really love how you've continued to put this back on. Um, well, first of all, small business, which is great. Cause you're right. I don't care. I mean, shoot, this could come down to between you and I working with each other, you know, uh, oh, yeah. trying to create experiences back and forth where we enjoy working with each other. Um, but I like how you keep putting it back to family. Um, and that that Home Depot story is really cool. I had not heard that. How amazing is it that now that's done through technology? Because the exact same thing is done now. It's not a guy yes. standing in the parking lot saying, why didn't you buy anything? But it's you walking into Best Buy, Best Buy knowing that your phone is inside their building, you walking out and you getting an email 30 minutes later, maybe offering you 5% off your next purchase or something. Um, and, and Disney does this well. It, and this is, this is how we book a lot of our stays to save money. If you are staying on property before you ever check out, there is a pamphlet in your room. 
And if you call and book your very next vacation, uh, you're going to get between like 20 and 30% off of your hotel stay. So there's yep. already an incentive for you to come back. And then I'm sure you got one in the mail about two, three weeks later. You're going to get a postcard in the mail with a nice little hand drawing. I think recently it's been Dumbo. And it's a note just saying from Mickey, you know, thank you for your visit. Hope it was great. You know, and those constant touch points and the emails leading up to it and, and the direct mail pieces afterwards, um, they're all things that I think any business of any level can implement uh, and, and yeah. truly be successful. So if I get something in the mail with Dumbo on it, I shouldn't take it personal? No, no. That's that's the one they're putting out, I think, this year. But uh, you can definitely take it for what it's worth. Um, well, that's good. <laughs> well, well let, me, let me say this, too. And, you know, uh, I, I want your listeners to really have an appreciation for your personal expertise on Disney. Because uh, with everything that we just said... It's 100% true. Disney goes above and beyond for the guest experience, the unparalleled culture, the systems and processes that make it easy to give them money. Um, but, I mean, we went for spring break. It was spring break up here in the Maryland, Virginia, D.C. area. It was also spring break in Florida. So yeah. I would imagine it's one of the more heavily trafficked weeks at Disney, even though they don't have a slow time. And your expertise and your knowledge of the park and your understanding of how to best utilize everything from the fast passes uh, to the My Disney experience. I mean, I kid you all. I mean, I don't kid you all a bit. We didn't wait more than 15 to 20 minutes for any ride or any meal at any time. And obviously, Jeremy, you're you're an expert. You're in the upper one percent of people who really understand how to use Disney. Um, but man, having you as kind of our own personal tour guide just added layers to uh, the enjoyment and fulfillment. And, you know, for those of you listening, um, I don't like heat and I don't like a lot of people, and those two <laughs> things are rampant at Disney. So waiting in long lines with my kids is one of my least favorite things to do, and, and Jeremy and his expertise combined with everything that Disney does, I mean, it, it, it was as good of a week as, as we could have imagined, and it was really awesome. So I, I wanted to thank you for that, but make sure that you all listening know Jeremy really knows his stuff when it comes to Disney um, and, and knowing every in and out and nook and cranny of that place. So uh, I want to thank you for that because it was really an epic or shall we say remarkable experience. <laughs> well, you are quite welcome. And yeah, thank you for those kind words. Plus, I was extremely cheap as far as VIP tour guides go. So that's that's not too bad. But um, yeah. And well, and this is just so interesting. And I'm, I'm glad that you were able to come on again for people that don't know. Um, I have I was a podcast producer prior to launching this show. Um, I've produced podcasts with Alan on them for what, four to five years, I guess, in a sense. So normally uh, Alan is the one who is conducting the the interviews and he's doing the podcast and he's sending me files. And, you know, I was editing and posting. So it's really cool to you know, now that I finally took a jump and went kind of, I guess, behind the the mixing board uh, to be a host of my own, to have you on uh, a show that I'm doing. So I do want to thank you very much for coming on. And why don't why don't you share with our listeners who uh, want to learn more about you? Um, I mean, honestly, even if you're not a CEO or or in HR or in a business or whatever, even if you're just somebody who wants to better themselves on a personal level but especially in, in whatever company they're working for. I mean, I think they should come and, and check out your stuff. Um, so why don't you just let people know where they can find some of that uh, in any way that they could get in touch with you if they had additional questions. Sure thing, man. Well, thanks for the platform. Um, I mean, I, I help individuals and businesses improve their performance, their cohesion, and their accountability. 
Uh, I can do that through a variety of different mediums. One of them is speaking, so I can give keynote talks, uh, but also lead interactive workshops. I also have a coaching and accountability program called Your Game Plan, uh, which allows me to help hold people accountable to close performance gaps, which are the gaps between what they know they should do and what they actually do. And those are gaps that all of us have. Um, uh, this was after spending 20 years in the basketball space. So, you know, I have a strong understanding of leadership, uh, of influence, of, of accountability, of teamwork and culture, all through the lens of a basketball performance coach. And it's really fun and refreshing for me to take all of those lessons and more importantly, those actionable strategies and apply them to actual people's lives and to people's businesses. So I really enjoy doing that. Uh, if anyone wants anything else from me, you can go to allensteinjr.com and I'm also at Alan Stein Jr. on all major social handles, uh, which Jeremy plays a major role in. You know, I, I curate most of the content, but Jeremy is a major pillar uh, in my social presence and handles all of my, my digital work from podcast producing to video editing and producing and filming um, to scheduling social posts. So uh, once again, Jeremy's not only a Disney expert, but he's very well versed in all of these different areas uh, and is a, is a major pillar in my ability to have a fairly strong online presence. So again, Again, I thank you. If any of you Disney listeners think I can be of service to you, uh, you can always email me directly at alan at allensteinjr.com uh, and just put Disney in the subject line and I'll know where you found out about it. Yeah, and, and like what we were talking, I think, with a lot of this Disney stuff where you can apply the things that Disney's doing not only to a company but to your own personal life, um, I think you can do that with your stuff. And, you know, you have a lot of cool stories. You have met a lot of cool people and spent time with, you know, some some amazing people over the past 20 years. And I think they're all things that people could apply to themselves. Um, I've certainly learned a lot in the past 20 years working with you uh, and have been able to apply processes and things that you do just to my own personal life uh, and to my family as well. So I think these are really, really good resources for anyone. Uh, so thank you again so much for coming on the show. Uh, We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. So anyone who's listening, uh, as always, if you can go out and just leave us a rating and review on iTunes, uh, not only do we love to see those, but it's really going to help the show grow and it's going to help get us in front of other people uh, you know, that are looking for some Disney podcasts to listen to. Well, that's all I've got. We'll see you real soon.